0: Begin after eight cats. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight.
1: He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. Sit back and let
0: Spencer do his trick Because you're incapable of ems That was TJ Drennan there And welcome to Keep Off The Borderlands My name's Spencer A.K.A. Free For All And... this episode well this is going to be quite tangential to raise a suggested topic of rules we don't need no stinking rules i'm going to talk about my experience of playing recess using the play by post site Rollgate. i also want to talk a bit there's been a lot of talk on the discord about rules light or rather light rules and I wanted to talk a bit about just labels in general and their usefulness. So, to get things going, here's a call from Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Hey, free throw. Just want to say that this is
1: Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast again. Just want to say, and hopefully, I'm not mixing my podcast up, but so you said Rollgate. And Rises. Well, you know, I back when Rollgate started, I played in a Black Hat game on there. Those pretty cool. It was the Island of the Eld. Um, it's kind of cool venture. But Rises is an old favorite of mine, and I'm going to talk about it this Wednesday or Thursday on my next episode because I'm going to use it to talk about the Rules Light thing for Arneson month. So I look forward to um hearing any thoughts you have on my thoughts on Rises. And if you want to talk further about it on your podcast, I would love to hear further thoughts you have on that system and how to correctly pronounce it, because surely I'm not doing it. So I'll talk to you later. Take care.
0: Yeah, thanks for your call, Jason. Really appreciate that. And I did reply to Jason's message, and you'll probably hear that in his episode, which I believe is going up today. Yes, um, Jason, I really want to thank you for pointing me in the direction of that interview with uh, S. John Ross. And as for the pronunciation, I didn't realise it's a Latin word meaning laughter. And it's pronounced (laughs) Rhesus. But I'll probably revert back to calling it Rhesus as I was initially. Yeah, I really, really love the guy's attitude. Being someone who doesn't take himself particularly seriously, it's one of the few traits I possess that I don't mind finding in other people. (laughs) And uh, yes, his explanation of his creative process. I write a game that sucks and I hate it, and then I rewrite it and it sucks a little bit less. And I keep doing that until... I get tired, <laughs> and that just sounds just you know that's a great approach and a very honest approach and uh yeah, the way he talks about not serious but sincere, and I can see the value of that It's interesting that he designed uh rhesus as a system for testing uh, modules he was writing for other systems. Uh, other systems that his friends didn't enjoy playing. So he created these light rules just as a means of testing adventures. So that's cool. As I said in my message to Jason, I'm sure anyone can see the fact that Osseus, the 2D6 game that I put together, is essentially Rhesus with the mechanic from uh, Tunnel Goons, which I believe is... From Traveller, initially. And basically, you've got two mechanisms there. Not even mechanisms. I mean, well, you've got guidelines for creating a character. And you've got a core mechanic for adjudicating everything. And that's, you know, that's what Rhesus is. That's what Osseus is. And I I also like the fact that he said when he's creating stuff he comes up with a lot of detail that he doesn't actually bother putting in the published product. I totally get what he means there because he wants people to have the experience of creating the elements that he enjoyed creating. So he wants to give them a leaping off point, essentially, for their own creativity. I love that. It's one of the things that I think I've spoken about appreciating with Into the Odd the fact that there's lots of little things in there to suggest what the world's like but actually everyone is going to create a very different world from each other and I love that Gary and
1: Dave shared credit on the white boss As things advanced, their relationship was on the rocks. Maybe less people know his name, but he revolutionized war games with the first fantasy campaign.
0: Just listening to the rest of that interview, and uh, yeah, what a really, really interesting guy. I really like his take on gaming in general, and it's nice to hear the perspective of someone who's played literally hundreds of different systems um, to such an extent that he feels he could just sit down and run any one of them. So, I was going to talk a little bit about my experience with Rhesus using Rollgate. Um, now, if you're not familiar with Rollgate, it's just a website for play by post gaming and didn't really struggle too much getting to grips with it. And I've found it very intuitive, although, uh, you know, I can't always find information <laughs> when I need to often. <laughs> end up uh, clicking on the wrong icon. But um, no, that's that's just me. Brain like a fish. But I felt that Rhesus is the kind of game that really lent itself to that format as well. And playing through uh, Toast of the Town was uh, really, really enjoyable. It's, um, well, I'll give you the setup. I don't want to spoil anything. But essentially, you... Begin the game. You're heading into town because you've received a letter from a friend asking you to come and meet him. Some suggestions that there's something going on, but when you get to town, you find that your friend has died in a fire the previous day. Uh, there have been a few fires across the town. And a demon is being held responsible. It's been captured and he is facing execution. Yes, yeah, so it's essentially it's an investigative game. And I think there was only really one instance of combat towards the end. There wasn't too much rolling involved, to be honest. It was more about, you know, us finding out what was going on and figuring out who to speak to next and not raising the alarm while we were snooping around. And um, you just really, really enjoyed it. I will certainly be using Rollgate. uh, Well, I'm still using Rollgate in a game being run by Che Webster of Roleplay Rescue. Exploring his world of uh, Mykovnia, that's going very well. Although I do fear for the current state of my character, Manny, who I've grown quite attached to. I do wonder whether the system lends itself to playing in this format. But uh, not that there's anything wrong with the system. I, in fact, I really like Castles and Crusades. All seems very Intuitive, you know, real love-hate with the D20. Failing far more than succeeding. Just an upshot of being a first level character, I guess. Combat, lots of uh, flailing around and <laughs> not a lot happening. Except for what's just happened to my character, of course. And I'm about to check in to find out. Oh, well, that didn't go well. I'm now unconscious on the floor, dear, oh dear, well, lucky here we find ourselves back in controversy corner, dang 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 um yeah, I don't know whether this is much of a controversy or not, but uh just wanted to. Say something about the conversation that's been going on in the Audio Dungeon Discord. And there have been a few podcasts about. I know uh, Ray Otis has put out a podcast about Rules Light. Oh, sorry, Light Rules Games. And Ray Otis of Plunderground. And Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast is doing an episode about. Story games. And um, I just wanted to speak more generally about labels, really. I mean, labels are useful. Labels evolve. They can also become obsolete, you know, when they cease being useful. This sort of brought to mind the label of indie with regards to music. I mean, in the 70s and 80s, indie music was essentially anything that was released on an independent label. Anything from Throbbing Gristle to Apex Twin or Kylie Minogue. I mean, even Sun Records was an independent label and they gave us Presley, Lewis and Cash but in the in the 90s that changed Um, particularly I know Blur weren't so big in America at the time but over in the UK there was a perceived rivalry between Blur and Oasis. For many people Blur were the quintessential indie band and Oasis were viewed as being more mainstream. And yet, Blur were on a major label, but Oasis were on an independent label. And I feel that that's kind of, I mean, that's where things start to change. When things start being embraced by the mainstream, by the wider audience, that's when labels start being twisted out of recognition. And certainly when mass media gets involved, um, I mean, sticking to the subject of music, I remember the term trip-hop becoming prominent, uh, a label essentially created by the music press where most of the bands that fell under that umbrella would never refer to themselves as trip-hop. In fact, actually refusing To be associated with that particular label, which, possibly, a little foolish, because they, you know, they were clearly, they clearly ticked the boxes when it came to what that term was trying to cover. Then you got something like dubstep, starting out as a kind of sort of dark ambient dub reggae using sub bass frequencies and syncopated rhythms crossing the pond and becoming this aggressive, electronic, lurching kind of music that couldn't have been tonally more different. And some, some labels come to mean the exact opposite of what they were intended for in the first place. You know, the, the idea of safe spaces springs to mind. So spaces initially being uh, academic spaces where potentially inflammatory ideas could be discussed. People could speak without fear of being judged and that use of the term is also used within the world of psychotherapy. When you're speaking to your therapist You know, that that idea of discussing things without fear of being judged. And that being flipped on its head. Safe spaces now seem to be places where you better watch what you say, because if it upsets anybody, you're out. Which... uh, For me, that's illustrative of a lot of problems that we seem to be experiencing today. As for the usefulness of labels, rules light has always been quite a useful term for me. It certainly helped me discover exactly the kind of games that I was looking for. So, for me, it served its purpose. You know, games like... um, Rhesus, Enter the Odd, Knave, ICRPG, Cthulhu Dark, Lasers and Feelings, Tunnel Goons. Um, but then there's those games that um, I'm not sure where they exist. Because, um, I mean, games like Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells, or Jaws of the Six Serpent certainly streamlined rules not particularly weighty tomes i don't know whether the term rules light" is useful when talking about games like that i mean that's you know where that's where the term starts kind of breaking down where you you know you're kind of on the cusp of what it means and uh, you're kind of in that gray area you know i start thinking to myself do i consider them Rules light, uh, just because I find them intuitive? Do I consider other games as not rules light, just because I don't really understand them? And uh, the term story games as well. Now, I left a message with uh, Jason Connolly of uh, Nerds RPG Variety Cast regarding my thoughts on this. About story games generally being self proclaimed, how I've seen the term being used in a derogatory manner as if to downgrade uh, certain games, um, as if they somehow weren't proper RPGs. Uh, But I've also, you know, heard and understand the other side of that. So at this point, I begin recounting a couple of incidents that a couple of people shared on Audio Dungeon Discord, and on reflection, I thought it probably wasn't my place to share those stories on another forum. So I've removed them, but the point I was trying to illustrate the kind of exclusionist attitudes when... Individuals expressed their interest in games that fell in another area of the RPG Venn diagram. Somehow, story games were something better, Uh, reducing regular RPGs to kind of, you know, hack and slash dungeon crawls. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with dungeon crawls. Um, It's just a willfully narrow minded view of what OSR RPGs actually are. See, labels, you know, labels serve a purpose until they don't. And when they become problematic, then we should be willing to let go of them and move on. And that can only be achieved through dialogue, you know. I mean, this is where the problems arise. When you make assumptions about what other people mean. When folks are more invested in tribalism than they are in attempting to understand each other. it all comes down to intent. Looking at such terms in isolation can be so abstract as to be meaningless the meaning lies in the context in the way it's being used and I just wanted to say that uh, I think it was in Dave Aldridge's first Deeper Centaur episode or possibly in a calling where he used the term indie OSR which I loved because it well that's enough for Controversy Corner I feel that I've survived I haven't backed out I haven't created a diversion for myself I feel so comfortable here I might end up getting a ticket think that's about enough from me. I've been Spencer, aka Free Thrall. This has been Keep Off the Borderlands. If you want to look at my game rules, us. they're in the program description, as is a link to TJ Drennan's Patreon, where you can get some of these wonderful sounds. There's also a link to leave me a message. Or you can email me at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. And remember, if things get dicey, just roll with it.